Brother Munde. And for, uh, for just a, a, a gentle reminder, why do we have uh, those of us who have a, another native tongue speak in that native tongue or read in na- that native tongue? We do that because the kingdom of God is, is far greater than us as Americans. We want to see the complexion of, of the kingdom and hear the complexion of the kingdom. And what I, when I stood back there, I was thinking, hey, I wonder how many others in the same dialect are hearing the same passage of scripture today. I don't know, but it does make me wonder how that works. It's just great. Hey, I, I, I just, uh, I want to I say thanks for spending the, these few moments with us in your week. I, I really do. Uh, it's, uh, it's encouraging, but more than that, I hopefully it is uh, reorienting uh, to the kingdom to you. I was with uh, one of our seniors this last week who is, who is unable to be with us uh, on a regular basis. And I asked her, I said, where, where is our hope found? And we confirmed together, it's found in Jesus. And I'm, I'm not sure what your week was like. And uh, Brother Ray, as he prayed, he began, he said, some of you are battle-worn. Maybe this week was battle-worn week for you. I don't know. Uh, but this is one thing that this, uh, this saint, of our, saint with us and I confirmed that our hope is in Jesus. And when, when we confirmed it was in Jesus, her face lit up. So we come weekly, one out of seven, in loving obedience to remind, renew, and redeem those whatevers from the week prior in the midst of community. Jesus is our hope. When we, talk, when we talked about Jesus, I, I just, again, I just want to let you know that there's, there's not just a warmth in her face, but I could feel it emanating from who she was, that this is something she had confirmed a long time ago in her heart and her life. So let me just encourage you as we, as I just reinforce one of our statements following Jesus, follow Jesus. Deliberately, obediently, daily, uh, doesn't mean you're not going to slip and fall. Kathy and I were walking in County Park uh, last night, and uh, we were just kind of walking along, and all of a sudden she slipped on some mud, right? Sometimes you see the stuff you're slipping in, and sometimes you don't, but it, it is our task to reorient ourselves and ride ourselves and make sure that we're heading in the right direction with Jesus. Now to our text. Oh, I just want to let you know, uh, before I forget, and some of you may come through, uh, we are, I don't know if some of you remember, uh, during, the, uh, during our society meeting or our community meeting that we had back in January, we talked about starting a project or looking at a project uh, for the renovation of our bathrooms. Well, that will begin this week. And we're looking forward to uh, seeing that transpire. For some of you are wondering, well, why, why is this important to us? It's important to us from this standpoint. We're going to come back to it uh, to you at a later time and, and talk to you a little bit more about it. But it's important because we wanted to make sure that we had handicap accessible bathrooms on the lower level. And so this renovation, this project will allow us to be able to have a family bathroom 
which that qualifies some other things. We'll get into that. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but we're, we're grateful to be able to start this project. So if you see some uh, dustiness to our hallway or some changes downstairs uh, and you've been down that way, you'll know why that's happening, all right? Now to our text. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, what is it that Jesus heard? Let's remind ourselves from last week. I'm not going to run through the whole message of last week. You can hear it. Uh, again, uh, whether on iTunes or YouTube or uh, some other form there. But Jesus heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been murdered in, through, in and through evil and wickedness of Herod and his uh, just uh, tormented family. Can we just acknowledge that they were had to have been superly, uh, is that a word? <laughs> tormented. We... We're into making up words, aren't we? So Matthew tells us with, intent, with intention that Jesus wanted to pull away. He, he wanted to have that solitary place where he could process not only his cousin's death and the murder, but I think the evil and the wickedness that comes with situations like this and, and others that we know in our lives but it also reminds us of this, I think, about Jesus that is so vastly important and all of our, all of our orthodox creeds that we attest to affirm this, that Jesus is human and he is divine. We, we cannot forget for a second that Jesus himself is 100% human and 100% divine and ask me to explain it, I'm not sure I can, but I do believe it. And this is so important for us. So, so important for us. Uh, Brother Ray already said, have you had a battle-worn week? All right? I reminded you that Jesus is hope. And why is that? Because he knows what it is to go through the battle. He knows what it is on a human basis. So here he is. Uh, in a place that we can relate Jesus responds as we would respond with a bit of, with a, bit of a, a desire to retreat when we get bad news. We might go to our bedroom or go for a long walk. And Jesus tells his disciples, I need some time to be alone to process John's death. Again, John was his cousin, but he was also a collaborative in the kingdom. So John's death... Is, is as we're reading Matthew through, is a moving towards the climax, not only of John's, John's death, but to the pinnacle of Jesus' own death. And Jesus himself knows this. I mean, we, don't, we have a limited vision, and I'm grateful. Jesus had this full view. And think about trying to process all of that. Uh, by the way, if you've not read Matthew, you can start today, just like you can start with the epistle reading today. You can start to read it. And again, I want to let you know, if you don't have a Bible that you can read, uh, Brother, uh, Brother Munde was reading from uh, modern version. What was it? 
modern English version. There are a lot of versions out there. We provide the New Living Translation back there that we find is easily to listen to and easy to read. So if you need a Bible, please uh, go ahead and grab one, and you can read about Jesus, who is our uh, Lord and Savior. So Jesus gets into the boat to go to this solitary place to process his grief and what this may mean for him. Just the twelve and himself. Well, also the Father. Always. So you, you've been planning this short vacation. You've been hungering to get away. You have the, you, you, you have, uh, the dog sitter lined up. You have the, the plant waterer lined up. It's summertime. You need that person to come and plant your water your, or your or flowers. You're not always sure it's going to rain. You have even somebody to mow the lawn, so when you get back, you don't have to look at the tall grass. It can all be done. But Billy gets sick in the night, right before you're going to take off. Not just the sniffles, so you can just like, okay, you'll get over it in the trip, but it's the kind of sick that you don't want to travel with and you don't want to give to others. What do you do? Billy's yours. I mean, he is yours, flesh and blood, your co-creation. Well, uh, probably the most logical and right thing to do is you pull up and you show compassion to Billy in that moment. But your hunger has been to go on to this vacation for a long, long time. So you see to Billy's needs right there, right then, right where Billy is. This is simply what a mom and dad does. Verse 14. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed the sick. So Jesus had his plan. He got into a boat to find a solitary place so he could process John's death and I think the rest of his ministry. And yet there's an interruption. Uh, One of divine givings, I would guess. As the boat pulls to shore, Jesus sees sees what the gospel message has done, what it has created, and the kingdom message as it's rolled out over people, right? I mean, the kingdom plan is to invite people into a new life, a a healed life for many, uh, but a transformed life, and they're waiting for this renovation and so is Jesus wanting to pull up and pause to process John's death yet he sees the need before him so the crowd is there and Jesus has compassion on them and he healed their sick the restoration of the kingdom as we have been reading and if you haven't been reading is there the restoration is there we see it over and over again So Jesus is wanting a solitary place. You can feel the conflict, can't you? Because you've been there. I surely have. Really? She's sick now? you got to be kidding. All right. So Jesus sees the crowd with them and has compassion, and he gives himself. So compassion, by definition, is to suffer together. Is, is simply this idea of suffering together. Now, sometimes we can uh, maybe define it with this. It's love with action, right? But it's, it's, you're going to do it with, not apart, 
You're going to participate. You're not going to separate. We really can't imagine it any other way from Jesus, can we? Or hopefully with ourselves. You see, that's what I think Jesus is trying to lead us into. Like, what's before you? Who needs you? How can you meet them? We sit and pray over situations all the time. Our, our, community, our community group has this text thread. And just this last week, somebody dropped in our text thread something that was transpiring. And to be honest, I didn't respond to the text thread, but I, I, I'm telling you, I could not separate myself from the situation. So everywhere I went, while I could not be with the situation, my heart was saying, Lord, be with them in this place, in this space. It's a tough place, but be with them. See, the spirit of the living God moves in us to have this compassion. Normally, uh, that wouldn't be a part of who I would be. It's like, they'll take care of it. They'll move on. But the Lord, by his spirit, lays this compassion on us. And Jesus had this. He shows, us, shows it to us. People share the news. It sometimes even wakes us up, doesn't it? We find ourselves going, oh, oh. And we find ourselves in prayer, writing a note, compassion. Verse 15, as the evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So Jesus is healing the sickness all around them. The people were being healed and they're not leaving it's not like us. We go, to the, we go to the doctor, we go to the hospital, we get healed. We don't linger, we leave. <laughs> but for them, they just lingered, right? Can't blame them, right? To be in the presence of somebody who, who speaks healing over you or teaches powerful words of healing in and through you, where would you go? Where would you even want to go? I mean, it's the kingdom. It's, it's rolling over the top of them. David said in our psalm reading this week through the epistles and the psalms, said this thing, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most, to live in the house of the Lord all my days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. I, I don't even have to be near the throne. I just need to be in the doorway. Let me just allow the waves of his goodness roll over me. That's what's happening to them. It's wonderful. This is where, we, this is where they were finding themselves tasting the kingdom. Didn't know you are going to use that verse this morning, Deshaun. This place was remote and there was a large number of people. Matthew tells us later, right? 5,000 men at 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 the bare minimum, and that's not counting women and children who were hanging with them too. So we have a remote place, hungry people equals, I think the disciples were thinking, uh-oh, they're going to be hangry. <laughs> oh, you guys know that, right? There have just been a few times in my ministry when I've, I've been with a large group of of generally their teens, adults can generally control their hunger, but not always. 
and they're, you know, all of that. But where it gets a little restless, like, you know, uh, in, until we're fed, you know, the rumbles, not only in the stomach, but even throughout the crowd, don't change too much. I, I think that the disciples may have been anticipating dealing with their own hangry too. Not just those of the crowd, but I think what precipitated this could be their own. Like, all right, Jesus, we've seen this enough. Can we just move on? I mean, I'm hungry. Could be. I mean, we don't know, right? But this leads me, this is why I come to this. They command the creator to send everybody away. So the, the word we see here is kind of soft. But the word is a command word. Send them away. Do you realize you're talking to the Messiah? Do you realize you're telling the creator of the universe to send the very people that he loves and that he cares for and has compassion on to send them away? <laughs> I mean, I think it's a little bit of their own kind of like restlessness internally. But he meets their command with an opportunity, I believe. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. How do you like that for you? Like, send them away. You feed them. What? Me? I'm supposed to feed them? There's not enough. Here's the opportunity. And the opportunity presents itself to us all the time. A remote place, lack of resources, equals a faith opportunity. Equals a faith opportunity. Jesus is giving them an opportunity to step in faith into a kingdom reality. Right here, right now. I, and I, I kind of question, is, he, is that what he's asking them to do? Or is he kind of making them draw to him? I think a little bit of both. But I don't think he would ask something that he didn't think that they could actually come through on. And I think that plays out in our own lives. Jesus asking us to do something, or we're saying, oh, that's an impossibility. Is it within reach? I mean, what is it that the Lord's asking you right now? Not you wanting to do, but the Lord's kind of put something on your heart, and you're like going, that's not possible. That's outside the reach. I'm not sure I can do that. I think maybe, maybe, could it be that the Lord's kind of going, step into it. It's an opportunity to grow. They, they respond with, we, only, we, have, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. This is a telling lack of faith. And I say this because they say only. I mean, it's not as if they hadn't delivered kingdom reality on their own before. They had been sent out and had healed people. They knew the power, they knew the authority, and had tasted of it themselves. They had not only had seen it demonstrated, but they had lived it out. You, too. 
Have you had the opportunity to step through opportunity, you know, faith opportunities? You look back and go, I don't even know how I said that. I don't even know where those funds came from. I don't even know how that transpired. And you look back and went, uh, oh, but God, but God, but God. He's trying to get them to step through. Well, you know, it's interesting. It, they did do a little bit of their due diligence before they told him to send, send them away, right? I mean, they found out, oh, we only have uh, these five loaf and two fish. But how does the Lord, see, this is what's vastly important. How does the Lord look at what you have, what they have in their hands? He says, bring them, to, bring them here Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. And he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. He said, bring them here. Bring what you have. Now, this term, again, back in the original language, doesn't mean to just set, set uh, crisscross applesauce on the ground, you know, just waiting. This term, sit on the grass, was one of sit and lean into one another. We're going to have a feast. They probably were all puzzled. Like, Jesus, they had different words for these things, right? We just have sit, right? But they, this was one of lingering, leaning into, waiting for a feast. Don't, get re- don't just get ready for a, a small hors d'oeuvre, but you will be served a feast so get your body get your mind get your posture ready when i was a a kid little or kid in church uh, that was back in the days where we had sunday school superintendents i don't know how many of you remember that but i i remember one of our sunday school superintendents he it was uh during that period of time nobody's doing it today uh, wearing all it was regularly a three-piece suit was the way it went right but he had this little chain thing going on here, right, on his vest. And I remember saying to him, Dick, what, what is that chain thing? He's like, well, you know, if I eat too much, I just kind of expand out the, the vest. I think I believed him at the time. That's not what I was there for. I think it held maybe a pocket watch or something like that. But Jesus is commanding them, get ready for a feast. <laughs> I'm butting your waist. They didn't have to do that. Uh, but get ready. H- have you ever wondered how the multiplication took place? I-, I-, I do. I mean, it's like, how did this happen in front of them that it just kept, I mean, did he give each one of the 12 a piece of the bread and pieces of the fish? Now think about this. And they began to just pass it out. And inside their hands, it just began to just, not disappear or yeah I mean how does that happen you see I think Jesus wanted them to participate in the miracle you guys want to participate in a miracle I mean do you want to be invited into what could be not what is so he hands them the bread and he hands them the fish and they, he stand, I, I think he stands, he blesses it, hands it out and he stands back and he says, okay, let's see if it registers. 
right? And they just continue to hand out pieces of bread, loaves of bread, right? And it all begins to materialize in front of them. Maybe you're not as familiar with the story in 2 Kings chapter 4, but it reminds me of this story, an Elisha story. Uh, verse 42, a man came from Baal-Shelzah, bringing the man of God, who is Elisha, 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain, along with some new heads, heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. The servant said, how can I set this before a hundred men? Twenty loaves. But Elisha answered, give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord said. They will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. Now, this is just one occurrence. But over and over again, we see in Scripture where God provides, and provides not just enough, but enough to be satisfied to overflowing, to miraculous numbers. Remember, the disciples said, send them away. Jesus said, bring them fish and loaves here. Verse 20, they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls. Did you get it? 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Can you imagine? They all ate and were, they were just, you know, they, they all ate. Not just held over so they could make it back to their homes, but they ate and were satisfied, feasting. Now, let me ask you, do you think the crowd expected to be fed? I don't think so. They, they just got caught up in what Jesus was doing. They, the kingdom was just, just rolling over the top of them, if you will, healing and transforming and changing them. And again, Jesus demonstrated to them the abundance, if you will, through the table through the table, through food at the table. I mean, Jesus is the real deal. So what is the bottom line to this? Well, ultimately, Jesus is the Messiah who displays his power and authority, obviously, right? I mean, but his power is always leveraged for the needs of others. His cousin has been murdered tragically through Herod's loss, uh, Herod's loss of his own soul to his lusts, his pride and his greed, his complete defiance of the, of the guide of the Torah in his life. He just defied it. Yet even in the midst of this tragic death and foretelling of his own, Jesus has compassion on the lost sheep before him. He heals and teaches in the late hours, seemingly oblivious to the day, day's time's constraints. Right, His disciples are caught up in it. The disciples command the Messiah to tell the people to go home. He invites them in the remote place with limited resources to live out the kingdom reality for and with these people. For his glory. They, maybe like us, can't wrap our minds around what's happening 
I mean, they only have five loaves and two fish. How are we going to feed the 5,000 plus? And Jesus, having compassion on them, draws them into the reality. Doesn't leave them outside, but draws them in by having them participate in the miracle right before them as they do it, I think. I mean, the kingdom economy is not about limits or scarcity. It's about abundance and overflowing from the one who dwells in the triune love and the life of the kingdom. So that's them then. What about us now? What's, what's the word and the spirit speaking to you in these moments about your life? How about our life? What is it that's in your hands that you're going, it's only this. It's not much, so it can't be anything. What if it's given to Jesus? Not based on how how you can perceive how much work it would be, how much hardness or, uh, you know, how it would wear you out, but just simply bringing it to him. I mean, I mean, they had to, think about delivering 5,000 pieces of bread and fish, I mean, to the 5,000. I mean, that's a lot of work. And if we're not careful, we can count the cost of how much time it will take, how much work it will take, how much, how much it will cost us on the front end and miss out on the opportunities and miracle in the midst of what's transpiring. I think if you're anything like me and have been in situations, I've desired for the crowds to be sent home. I'm just tired. Can we just, please, can we not? No, uh, okay, right? So last few weeks we've been, uh, well, more than that, we pray every week in our prayer group on Wednesdays and in other places and spaces, but there's been some confluence of things that I need to bring to your attention because I do believe they're the it that's in our hands and we have the wonderful opportunity if we so choose. So a couple of them, not all of them. So one of the prayers of our leadership team has been over the last couple of years is how can we continue to leverage our building for the good of our community and, and have the intersection of our community not only be outside the walls, but maybe even inside our walls, knowing that we don't use uh, our spaces to the fullest that they could be used, that maybe God has a desire for us to use them in this way. So a few weeks ago, uh, Crystal Harding came and said, hey, would y'all be interested uh, in hosting a new Ypsilanti youth choir that I'm starting? And so after a conversation or two, we, we went, hmm, yeah, we're open to hosting this. So I met with her last week, and I said, hey, Crystal, uh, for the rest of the summer, here's the schedule. But I want you to start to think about the fall already, because I believe that you have a desire to, to meet in the fall going on. And so we would need to know that schedule so we can just plan it in our facility calendar, if you will. She's like, hmm, well, how about Monday nights? right after school until about 5.30. And I looked at her, 
I'm like, you think that's going to be a go? She said, yeah, Mondays are slow at school, and I know that. Really? I said, that, that would be wonderful, because we have a community meal that happens uh, at our church on Monday evenings, and we would love to host anybody from the choir and their family to attend, and sh- she, she loves Jesus. And we tell a story about Jesus, but we invite her to have a meal. And on the second and fourth, we do the pop-up pantry. And if some of these families have a need, and I'm like, what are you doing, Lord? He knows what he's doing. <laughs> so this is where we need to have, I'm just going to tell you. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've, we saw a downturn in community meal. And so part of the team is like, What's gives? What's going on? We want to be able to serve the community and to serve those who have a need in the community, not just to be able to serve a meal, meaning of Jesus. Can I tell you? So last two or three weeks we've been praying. I think it's only been two weeks. And we had three new guests last week. And all of, most of all of those who we would consider part of our solid core show up last week. And we're like, wait a second, they haven't been showing up hardly at all. And then all of this stuff starts to melt in. You're going, okay, Lord. We're thinking about, well, does it need to change? What day? I mean, there are some things that need to change. But this is, the, this is where we step in. What do you have in your hands? We do need more team members to be able to, to rotate in and rotate out, to be able to help, mainly on the cooking side of it. What's going on? Opportunities going on. A faith opportunity. Uh, lack of resources. I wouldn't say it's a remote location necessarily. But in your mind, it may be one of those places like, I don't know if I have the space for Monday evenings. I don't know. But I would offer it up. The Lord is providing an opportunity for us, especially when it comes to this fall. And we have been hungering. Can I just say hungering? to have a greater influence, not on those who are uh, maybe more older, but those who are younger, who are shaping our country and shaping our community and strengthening our families. And so we see this as an opportunity. If, one, if, if, if you're interested at all, just take out that Connect card that you have in front of you that you started to fill out earlier as you were directed and just say, I'm, I'm interested in community meal. I'm interested even in the choir even. See, we want to partner with those who are doing good things in our community. Can I tell you about another one? Uh, Last week, uh, last week alone, there were 40 people in the kids' zone. There were like 30 or 30, 30 33 to 35 kids alone in kids' zone. Now, uh, I said it earlier, uh, I think the numbers have been hovering in the, you know, maybe in the middle 20s, right? But just the wonderful opportunity that we have to have children in the kids' zone and the opportunity that we have to come alongside these kids and families to kind of go, hey, we want to help you to grow in Jesus, So it's a pretty straight-up question to y'all. 
we, these are just two opportunities. I could actually, I think there are probably four or five more that are coming into play. And I'll probably tell you about them as we continue to wander towards this fall. But the question that I'm asking you is what do you have? Now, you may have your own things that you're, the Lord's brought you to, but what do you have that you think is just not enough, just won't make it, won't be multiplied, couldn't think about doing it? I think the Lord may be asking us to bring it to him, the opportunities that are before us to see souls change, communities strengthened, I mean, the Lord loved in this way. Moses, remember the story of Moses? Uh, he's called out, of, uh, called out uh, by the burning bush encounter. And he's called to uh, go uh, talk to Pharaoh. It's just a tad bit of trepidation about that. And in one of those occurrences where the Lord's trying to affirm in him that the Lord, I believe in you as creator God, you can do this. He says to him this, uh, Moses says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me or, and say the Lord did not appear to you? The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? goes on, bring it to me. What is that in your hand? It's a staff. I mean, this is just a plain old shepherd's staff, right? He uses it every day to do what he's, the task is, but the Lord takes it and transforms it for the use of the kingdom to redeem those who are lost, those who are in, those who are in Egypt, enslaved, could it be that what you think is just a plain old it is something that the Lord wants to use for his greater glory? Let's pray.